0: Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Disciple Makers podcast brought to you by discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today we've got Dave Buring and Laura Jarvis from LionShare. This is our third track session from our most recent forum. So if you haven't listened to the previous two episodes, I encourage you to skip back and listen to those as well. Today's episode is about our kids, building them up into mature disciples. We all know we're supposed to disciple our kids but it just feels overwhelming at times. And that's really like a huge understatement, just even in saying that, even though there are countless devotionals and Bible studies and books about how to teach our kids about Jesus, where do we actually start? Let's listen to Dave and Laura give us a fresh perspective on how we can make a disciple-making difference in the lives of our children. Let this episode encourage you today. Here we go. This is Dave and Laura from Lionshare. Let's listen to him.
1: So good afternoon, are we doing good? If I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is Dave Buring, and I serve as the uh, president of Lions Share, which is an organization based out of Franklin, Tennessee, and so we are in year 22 uh, as an organization, and our focus is coming alongside um, churches, but half of the time, at least, if not more, we're coming alongside societal leaders. And we disciple them in the ways of God so that as they lead in society, like, say, um, in government or business or the arts or media. And then what we encourage them to do is disciple people within their own vocation. And so that it can be an impact in society. So that's a lot of the kinds of things we do. So one of the resources that came out um, in 2004, so it's, next you'll be 20 years old and we up up, this is the third round of updating it that we use. It just got updated last year. It's called the Discipleship Journey. So this is the tool that we use for uh, adults and youth. Um, It's got 12 topics in it that has four sessions for each topic. So you spread it out over 48 weeks. And, And we've tried to make it something that was a slower drip method as opposed to so many things today. There are six weeks and we're done. All right. So, in other words, when you're dealing with the topic in Chapter 5 of hearing the voice of God, you get to marinate in it for a month. You get to practice it for a month before you move on to how do I, be, I become a good relator, all right? Or how do I discover my gifts? So, each each topic is a month with four uh, weeks. And the way that it works is you you watch a seven- to eight-minute video on Vimeo that's connected to this, and then you you take this with your Bible and you dive in it's maybe about an hour a week and then you get on whether it's a video call or if you, you're doing it in your church or community you're in your small group and there's just two questions you ask what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you or what did God show you out of your content because it's amazing you're studying the same thing but you're all getting something different out of it right and then the second piece of it is how are you going to obey that in your life okay so it's all driven to life application so um, it's we have it in different languages and been used in different parts of the world, but that's our core discipleship tool that we use for Lion's here. Well, when it came out in 2004, well, maybe over the next three or four years, we had a number of people say, when are you doing this for kids? And I said, when I have a kid's person be committed to walk with me to do it. Well, that didn't happen until 2015. Laurie Jarvis, who you'll meet here in a minute, I was doing a lion's share event in cleveland and laurie said hey could my husband and i who i knew her husband have lunch with you so i just thought it was ketchup time but it wasn't she said what if we do this for kids and so i told her what i had told you that i've kind of been waiting for somebody to step up and say hey i'll own this piece with you and so laurie and about three or four others really owned this over several years and as we were we were creating it along with um the resource. So the cool thing is, from as moms and dads, this aligns completely with this. So, like, if you're going through, you know, a chapter on God's grace, your children are going through the same thing. Be using it in Sunday school. You know, it's got its own track. But one of the things that we thought would be fun, and we prayed about it, and God provided for us both financially and people to do is, we created animation with it. So, like the, um, and I'll show you, I'll show you a clip of that. And so um, we created animation. And so a discipleship journey, when people are using it, they shorten it to 80J. So we have two characters, 80 and J. And so 80 a 12-year-old uh, older sister, kind of Caucasian-Asian. And you have little African-American, um, Hispanic, Polynesian Jay, who is the eight-year-old little brother that gets in trouble and so you just you watch their adventures we'll show you one of those today they're two and a half to three minutes long and um and so instead of one of us teaching it they get to be taught and led through by A.D. and j and so it's something that literally has just come out the end of august we just did a soft launch and are kind of doing it through our relationships um but what we want to do today was just talk a little bit about building discipleship in your kids one of the things that both Laurie and I run into is people are saying, I love Sunday school stuff because they need to know the Bible and they need to know those stories. And we say, yes, but imagine if you can take it to another level and start discipling a child to hear the voice of God, start having a child learn how to walk in godly relationships when they're five. Right? So let me just give you kind of a, uh, a background story on this. Um, So my wife, Cheryl, who's back there in the red, we, you know, we met years ago and we were both with Youth with a Mission. Are you guys familiar with YWAM? So we were with YWAM in Kona, Hawaii. And um, one of the things that began to awaken me to just how God wants to use um, the discipling of children was, was this. So we were, it was probably 1979. I'm 20 years old. At that time. And the guy that ran what is called in YWAM King's Kids, which is kind of a dance troupe, you know, so, uh, singing, it's kids that do it. It's not cutesy. It's really done well. And he came to me and said, hey, Dave, uh, the, the Hilo Lagoon Hotel on the opposite of the big, side of the Big Island, about two hours away, they asked, could we send some of the King's Kids to stand in the lobby and do Christmas songs? So he said it's a great outreach opportunity for us in the community, serve our community so he took the kids to in Kona I take about 12 of the kids bless you over to Hilo so I had like a couple 17 year olds all the way down to like five year olds so we're in the big band together we go over there and this was boombox era right and so we had the boombox and the cassette and so we put in some Christmas things and some King's kids music and they're you know they're doing their stuff in the lobby and everybody's stopping and so I'm just encouraging them well I get a tap on my shoulder And I turned around and it's a Hawaiian guy, and he, you know, and his pigeons go, Bro, this is awesome, bro. He said, These kids, oh, bro, they're good, you know. And he said, I'd like to bless them. He wasn't a Christian. (laughs) He said, I run the nightclub over here. (laughs) And he said, When this is done, I'd like to invite them into the show, and I'm so I'm kind of right away, you know, thinking of missionary moms and dads back home, and, right? All you youth group people know what I'm talking about, you know. And so I'm starting to, so I'm just talking to him. He's, he's really sincere. He said, "What we'll do?" He said, "There's a singer, and there was kind of like a Don Ho kind of Hawaiian singer, but a little bit more, you know, late '70s with a shirt down and the the change of hey, you know, it was, it was that kind of a guy. Rodney was his name, and he said, what 'What I'll do is I'll just set up a.'" a t- couple of tables in the back and I'll just serve them Cokes. But he said, I think they'll enjoy just his you know, singing. And I'm just thinking, Oh Jesus, please. I don't want to repent to the parents for what I'm taking them to. And so anyway, we, when, when we're done, we go in there. He's like, he's happy that we're there. And it's a, it's a, Oh room about maybe double this size. And you have the stage up here and then you had kind of, you know, the bar connected to the stage around here. And then you had tables and chairs sitting out here. And so people were enjoying and, and, um, and the kids are back there, and they're enjoying drinking their Cokes. Well, I have this little um, um, Tongan girl who's on our team. And she came to me uh, like she's six. Mr. Dave. Mr. Dave. I said, yes, what's going on? She said, Jesus spoke to me that we're supposed to be on that stage. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I said, Oh really? <laughs> and uh, and so um, the kind of the protocols and that kind of thing is is with some if one of the kids feels like they have an impression from the Lord, you as a leader weigh it, but you also can give opportunity to the other kids. So so I went to the guy that was our host, I said, Hey, we're just stepping outside to have a conversation from it. We'll be right back. So oh, okay. So I get all the kids outside. We're in the parking lot, it's now dark, the lights in the parking lot are on. It's like in a hotel area, so it's not real busy. And I said, hey, why don't you share what, what, what you felt like the Lord was saying? So she says it again. I, I'm sitting there drinking my Coke, and Jesus said we're supposed to be on that stage. And so it, it didn't do anything to the kids. They were like, oh, okay, well, let's wait on the Lord about it, because that's how they've been trained. So we all took hands in the parking lot and just, Lord, we lay aside our own thoughts and imaginations. We resist the enemy in Jesus' name. Now, now our thoughts and the enemy aren't going to interfere with us. Lord, is there anything you want to say to us about do you want us to do something to be on that stage? quiet for about a minute, minute and a half. And I said, what is, what is the Lord showing you? And they all look at me and go, she's right. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to do this. So I said, okay, here's the plan. You guys go in, drink your Cokes and you pray as I go talk to the manager. So they all, we'll go in, they all sit down, they're drinking their Cokes. So I go to the guy and I said, Hey, um, this is the way I bridge it to him. I say, hey, when Rodney's on a break, if you'd like the kids, uh, that's all I had to say. they get up and sing? Oh, yeah. They'll get up and sing. <laughs> so Rodney's on a break. We give him our little cassette. And they had the, you know, where when the cassette, in, the rhythm mat, matched the beats and the lights. And so we get the kids up there and they start singing. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa. because the lights are matching. and And in between oh, I don't know, three or four songs, I had Vicki and Beth come up. They were my 17-year-olds. And I said, hey, you guys, what does Christmas mean to you? And you know, right in front of them, like, right, like you know, and, and Vicki and Beth just start, you know, it's about the birth of Jesus. And, you know, and, and they just start sharing. I say, hey, by the way, what did you guys do this summer? Because King's kids have been to China. She said, we smuggled Bibles into China. Oh, really? How did that go? and everybody is now just dialed in and you feel the presence of Jesus just show up. And I look over at the st- on the side of the stage and there's Rodney. Just wow. tears coming as he's standing kind of watching all this. But God showed up. It was powerful. And and you know the kids knew that Jesus had opened a door and they stepped through it. So I'm about 20 years old, I'm paying attention to this. I'm just going We've got to we've got to better prepare our kids to be obedient to Jesus. Right. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So I, I've never forgotten that. And so when I've ever have a, I, over the years, I had a chance to do things with King's kids. And that was the kind of kids that were they were ready. They were they because they had been discipled early on to love Jesus, to worship him, to use their gifts. They had. And um, and so for me, that so a seed in me as a 20 year old. Now I grew up in a home with a mom that was the four thirty in the morning intercessor. She'd get up and pray for her husband her two boys and the nation's. So I grew up under that, and I know part of who I am today is because of a praying mom. So always remember that, you know, as as you are praying moms. And then I watched my dad, when I was uh, 13 years of age, leave his business. And we moved from San Diego back to Minnesota. So at 39, this is 1973, you could go back to Bible college. He was only one of two guys that were late 30s in the whole college. Because today, that's a different deal. But back then, it wasn't like that. You had 18 to 23-year-olds in college. That was it. But I watched my mom pray. I watched my dad obey. And so as a young guy, that impacted me. And so one of the things that we began to talk about, this whole area that, you know, Laurie said to me is, hey, I'd be happy to help you do this. The thing I didn't want is where we would do start, stop, start, stop, and it takes us two decades, you know. And we didn't. We just we did it methodically. We didn't... Um, we, we only did it financially as God provided. So when we said, hey, we need some of this animation done, and we knew it was about $60,000, there was a lady who's, who supports lion Share, and she one day was, she said, Dave, I just had my quiet time. And the Lord spoke to me about how important it is we disciple children. How can I help? And she wrote a check to help us do animation, you know? It was like, okay. So we just, we just kind of walked it through as God had provided, and we're very grateful for that. So it was debt-free as we launched it. And Laurie was really our champion of this. She she's led a wonderful team of people. So there's a role I played. There's a role she played. But she was really our tip of the spear person. I helped to guide because they they've said, "Hey, it's your book, so we got to you know reference the adult book." But I also said to Lori, yes, but we've got to make sure this works for kids, and that's your specialty. So she's been a principal. She's worked with children in church life. Would you say children's pastor? Yeah, children's pastor. So she's done a lot of those different kinds of things. And so today we just thought, you know, we could maybe have a little conversation around children. So let me just get into a a couple slides here, and then we'll have, have Lori come up. But in case you don't know this from Barna, More than half of people who will ever accept Jesus as their Savior do so before the age 12. Like, just let the weight of that hit you. More than half the people that will ever give their lives to Jesus do so before the age 12. That's huge. Less than one-fourth of current believers came to Christ after the age 21. By the time a child turns nine years old, their basic moral foundation and worldview has been formed. By the time they're nine, by age 13, a person has irrevocably formed the majority of their beliefs about the nature of God, the existence of Satan, the reliability of the Bible, what they believe about the afterlife, the deity, the salvation experience, and the importance of the Holy Spirit. By the time they're 13, like this is just a reality of where we are. So how do we become intentional as followers of Jesus? When asked, how important is the children's ministry and whether you remain involved in your current church, 60% of parents, 62% said it's very important. 66% of parents said the children's ministry plays an important factor in whether they stay at a church, not just come to it, but stay at it. And when parents ranked the three greatest benefits their current children's ministry offers, by far the number one benefit was, it helps my kids develop a personal growing faith. Okay? <clears throat> If these statistics are true, the church must recognize that what a child believes by the time they turn 13 is most likely what they believe for the rest of their life. Between the ages of 4 and 14, we have a window of opportunity to reach souls at the time where they are most receptive to the gospel. Okay, so one of the things that Laurie and I have have talked about and, you know, as we've been navigating through this project is how do you reframe children's ministry to child discipleship, right? Now, where should the primary role of discipleship happen?
2: Oh,
1: wow. Okay, in the home. So when I was a youth pastor in youth of the mission, I remember sometimes the parents would come to me when stuff was wrong with their kids. Yeah. Right? And they're like, how come you're not? <laughs> and so I just said, no, 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 no. How come you're not? I said, like, I'm supposed to be a big fat vitamin C tablet to your kids. I am not the meat and potatoes. That's you. But see, sometimes we drift into those places that the primary responsibility is mom and dad and maybe extended family, grandparents, aunts, and I don't know, whoever else is a part of that. And so we've got that. But the church also can be a place where, you know, while you're growing, it's great to know that your kids are also really being poured into, not just having activities, right? Mm-hmm. So Laurie, why don't you come on up here? And um there she is, Laurie Jarvis. She's our she is what we call our ADJ kids coach. So she, just so you guys know, as you are learning about this today, if you have any questions like, how does this how could I implement this with my family? How do I implement this with my church? Some people want to use this for Sunday school. For others, if we have pastors in the room, you, you may want to consider, like, you got maybe you're using orange curriculum and or your denomination script for Sunday mornings. But do you provide a resource for your parents to be able to do something at home? This is this is that as well. So it can be used in Sunday school, parents at home, as a supplement from church, just parents doing it you know, on their own. So um, I just want to I want to make sure you meet Lori. She's the coach for this. So if, if you are saying, I'd like to learn more, I'd like to know how, she's your gal. All right? So she'll be able to help you. Um, let me just show you this one thing here. The world is discipling our kids. This is an article from The Atlantic that came out at the end of 2021. Culture catechizes, which means instructs trains, shapes. If people are getting one kind of catechysis for a half an hour per week on Sunday mornings and another for dozens of hours per week online, social media, et cetera, which them do you think will win out? And the quote of this author said, Churches have barely better than a snowball's chance in hell of shaping most people's lives.
2: Wow
1: just because of the influx of it. So if we're not doing this in, in our homes and in, in our churches. So, Laurie, I'm just going to sit down and take a break. <laughs> no. So how do you see the world? How do you see the world discipling children? Like in your, as a uh, somebody that sees them in school all the time, um, like how do you see the world really trying to shape kids' life? What's that look like to you? He's really going to sit down with me. I am, <laughs> but
2: I'm right here. <laughs>
3: um, Well, sure. So the the world is discipling our children. I think the the really good question to ask ourselves is what or who is shaping our children? And if it's not us, something else is, right? So it's it's our culture. It's their school. When my kids started making friends outside of the church, that was kind of a scary thing. We didn't know what their background was like or how they were being raised, what that influence that they would have. The gaming industry is huge. There's a huge influence on our kids through mm-hmm. video games, and social media impacts our kids younger and younger. I have preschool students with cell phones, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's just, it's it's kind of out of control. Yeah. And so we really have to make intentional choices to teach our children about the character, ways, and mission of Jesus.
1: Yeah. yeah. So think about, like, in your own, like, what are you guys seeing your kids or kids you're influencing running into that are real challenges right now. Like you know, a couple of you just kind of wave your yeah. hand. What are your kids or as a parent, what are you dealing with that are really challenging? What kind of things? YouTube and TikTok. So, yeah. YouTube and TikTok, yeah, yeah right? Social media, Social media is, it's just huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like for them, if you're not dialed mm-hmm. into that, you're out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? And we all know it mm-hmm. when we were kids, we all know what that felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what else? Yeah. yeah. I think for me,
2: I have a
0: uh, six going seven and he comes home with what he's hearing other kids say mm-hmm. like the language yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and
1: he's picking up on it which is yeah. and, um, so that's language is one thing yeah that's, that's a really big system. one yeah
2: peer pressure.
1: Yeah peer pressure yeah to do
2: what everyone else was doing.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because you know and, and do you remember when we were kids, it was like, so if they told you to go jump in the right.
2: lake, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that doesn't
2: work anymore. It may jump weird, but for me, sports.
1: Mm-hmm. Like too much?
2: Yeah. In the sports. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're missing out on, they got games on Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bible study. Like It's, so out, it's out of like,
3: priority. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. that's my area right there. And it's like, I don't
2: want to be hard on my son. And I'm like, you just missed last week. It's not that I don't want you to be a part of the team, but if you're not making, no.
1: Like, so yeah. that's one of my things yeah. that I'm like wrestling with yeah. now, so I didn't work. And I've had I've had a friend who um, who has said that he said like my son plays in like little league, then he plays in travel league, and then there's also a team in our area. Like last year, a team from our area made the little league finals world series, and he's going to be on that. And you're going three baseball teams yeah. at the same time, yep. and it's like. Again, I think that often reflects more on the parent. That's right. Are you trying to fulfill yeah. something you missed out That's on? Fine. You know, but, but yes, that, that can be a challenge. Yes, ma'am.
2: Um, so a couple weeks ago, my kids were at the child care for our small group, and afterwards my daughter asked me, she's seven, mom, what does yeah, Daddy Suck It Harder mean? Wow. And I was appalled, obviously. We had a very frank conversation about it later. But it turned out that a boy who goes to the Christian school that my children attend and has wonderful parents has a friend who goes to that school whose parents allow him to watch porn. And so that child, you know, through this chain of quality Christian kids has now taught my daughter about oral sex.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is not a place that we're supposed to learn that kind of thing from, right? right? Yeah.
3: But I think we're learning um, or we need to learn and we need to be aware. We cannot protect our children from the world. But we can teach our children the ways of Jesus so they know how to respond to those things. So that's an excellent teaching moment. Because no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't protect my kids from those things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Lori, how, how can we help children grow spiritually?
3: So I think it's by what we model, right? Mm -hmm. Children are, they mimic what we do. And so we have to find as we go about our days, as we go about our weeks, finding times to disciple them. And so we need to look for it. Like um, Dave uses the phrase, we need to enjoy God. We need to enjoy what God has given us. And as we enjoy it, our children will enjoy it, right? So um, if I'm watching TV because I'm tired from work, my kids are going to sit there watching TV, but if I'm outside planting flowers and talking to the kids about, my kids about how God gave us these to plant and they grow into beautiful flowers for us to enjoy, you know, it's what we're engaged in that they engage in. My, I have two grandsons, I have three, but the, I'm going to tell you about two, five and, five and seven and five. And their mom and dad were having a hard time getting them to give up their iPads and their What's the other thing called? I want to call it a stitch. The switch. The switch. Not a stitch, but a switch. (laughs) Um, At mealtime. At mealtime. And um, I just said, hey, did you guys notice that you're on your phones and iPads while you're eating? And they just, you know, sometimes we're just not aware. So Rachel and Matthew started putting that away and starting engaging in conversation with their children And it's not a problem anymore. So kids copy what we do. They saw their parents doing it, so they thought that that was okay, you know? So that was a good moment to teach that we need to be together as a family and we need to celebrate this gift that God has given us as a family. My granddaughter, she's not three yet, she um, loves princesses, and she's everything princess, and um, she'll sing Frozen songs for you. She plays, pretends to play the piano and sings them, and it's so much fun to watch that. Um, but it's also important that she is mimicking and copying the things of the Lord, too, right? So I love on a Sunday morning where she sees us clapping our hands and lifting our hands to the Lord. And she doesn't see me spinning around, but that's what kids do. She'll go up in the altar area and she's dancing and singing. She doesn't know or fully understand what she's doing, but she sees us doing it. And I think what, is there anything better that kids could copy from us than the things of God? And so I think teaching kids about the things of God, about the fear of the Lord, about humility, um, Uh, about what our gifts are. I think they learn that by watching us, not only as parents and as grandparents, but as Sunday school teachers and um, leaders in the church, uh, leaders in your community, you know, in a grocery store showing kindness. Another child's watching you. It's amazing how much people watch you. I, Sorry, I have another story. Um, This is not a child story, but you could relate it to that. I I lost my husband a couple of years ago, and I'm involved in... um, uh, a group of well, some music festivals that I that I that I work with, and one of the teachers that I really had very little contact. She said, "I want to thank you." And I said, "Oh, I said, all right. Well, you're welcome." And she says, "No, no." She said, "I've watched you in the loss of your husband," and she said, "I face um, every day the possibility that my husband is going to die. You see, he's a police officer," and she said, "I literally didn't know how I would survive if I lost him, but I've watched you." And she says, what is it about you that got you through the loss of your husband? It's Jesus, right? But it's the same thing with kids. People are watching us. Kids are watching you, whether you realize they're doing it or not. And we carry a great responsibility to display Jesus to everybody that we see. So I fully believe that children are can grasp humility, can grasp the fear of the Lord. Why, you know, we were asked when we were putting this book together, we were kind of challenged. Should you really use the phrase fear of the Lord? I think we should. And the reason I think we should is because it needs to become part of their language. We need to teach them the word fear is not a bad word, that obedience is not a bad word, that servanthood is fun, right? Um, and, and if they're seeing us do it, they're going to be excited about it. If they're seeing us use those words, they're going to want to use those words. We don't change science words for them, right? We talk about matter, that it's solid, liquids, and gas. I don't make those words easier for them to understand. So they need to understand fear, of the Lord, humility, brokenness, so yeah.
1: So that was just kind of what we had up there. So is there any (coughs) any stories that come to your mind, for example, on any of those topics? Because that, again, like how do you share spiritual warfare with a kid? Mm Like, how do you do that? Like, some of you were in our session last night where we talked about this and how there's a void in discipleship right now where people don't talk about spiritual warfare. And it, and yet, when you do it, they connect the dots and go, what that was, you know? And so, it's making kids aware that, hey, yes, there is a devil, but he doesn't have to be the chief influencer of your life. Like, Would funny. you think that's better starting them at six learning that rather yeah. than 60? Yeah. Right? And um, so, Any thoughts that come to your mind of just stories or things that you bumped into on any of those fronts?
3: Well, probably the fear of the Lord is the easiest one to get to or to to address. So um, fear of the Lord is the way we define it with lion's share is, is referencing and reverencing God in all that we do. And so just in our everyday life, that's easy to do, right? I thank you, Lord, for this and I'm grateful for this and wanting to do things your way. And I think that the easy way to process is it process it is so many things that kids come in contact with and they're like, Mom and Dad, why can't we do it this way? Well, because we love God more, we're gonna do it God's way. So we really need to focus on what does God love and what does God hate. So I think it's it's easy to connect to parents. Our kids know what we love and they know what we hate. My kids knew and I it's it's interesting. I don't know that I was super intentional about saying, here's what I love and here's what I hate. But I think we modeled it enough for them. I think we expressed it enough in our words and in our actions, and it didn't have to be something specific. But I remember a time where, um, as principal, there was some bullying going on in our school, and it was genuine. And I came down hard on our student body. And my son, Ryan, who was worship uh, pastor at the church at the time, he came in the back of the sanctuary and he said, you had that mom look. <laughs> and there was this tone, and I knew it wasn't okay. And I think kids understand that about parents, and I think if we can connect with them, with the Lord, there's things that God loves. you know, And everything that he does is because he loves us. And everything that he hates is to protect us and keep us close to him. And I, I just think we model it and we explain it. But I, I, I think you've got to go about your weeks as parents, as grandparents, as leaders in the church, as leaders in your community, I think you need to look for those teaching moments and point them out.
1: You know, one of the things, like, you know, the, the story I was telling about Hawaii that reminded me, you know, watching that happen is, and I know sometimes we just don't think this way, and it was a, abrupt for me, was the same Holy Spirit that lives in you lives in them. Just think about that a minute, which means he's pretty powerful. Just because it's a little body doesn't mean he can't, you know, do stuff through them, right? And, And being on the mission field with little kids and watching how they go lay hands on the sick and Jesus does stuff. I mean, how does that not change your life? See, so there's a there's a there's a engagement part that we have to have with them as well to not only to model for them but to let them experience it themselves. Like I remember one time, you know, I'm, at, I'm speaking at a youth camp and my son Ryan is with me. And Ryan at the time was about eight, seven or eight. No, nope. I take that back. He was about six. Then he just wanted to go with me. So I called the guy, hey, my son wants to said Oh man, bring him. And on that pati- particular night, there was somebody who had had a problem with a leg. And so, you know, hey Dave, would you pray for him? Sure. And, and they had an issue where, like, one leg was shorter than the other and it had thrown off their back. And as we were praying, Ryan watched this leg grow out. He saw it. He was like, Dad. I said, no, it's in Jesus. Dad, I saw it. Like, it was this short and it grew. I watched it. He was changed by that. Okay? And you guys, it, it's like we have to realize the world throws all the special effects they can out. They're about tired of it. This is where real living happens, is in the church where you let Jesus move not only in you, but through you. And having kids come along and let Jesus do stuff, it's powerful. Okay. Um, Let's talk about this for a minute. Can children disciple other children, and, and what do you think that would look like?
3: Okay, so this is my favorite because um, this is one of the things that really drew me to this is, it, you know, the scripture tells us that we're to go be disciple makers, right? Um, and I think we get that confused with salvation. We, there's a lot of emphasis on share your faith, share your faith, share your faith. And that's important, and we should be doing that. But what he calls us to do is disciple. So in my head, you know, like I'm hearing this, and I'm like, man, if we could— teach children to disciple other children. We talk about missionaries going to other countries, um, but we've learned that the most effective missionary is somebody within their own country, right? So if that's true for that, isn't that true for generations? So kids can relate to kids in, you know, ways that maybe I can't, you know? So I thought if we could get this into the hearts of kids. So Just a couple of things in my life, I watched as a first grade teacher, I had a little girl named Serafina, and Serafina is still in my life today. She just took her last piano lesson with me after um, 16 years of Mm -hmm. of piano, so it's been an awesome to be part of her life. But as a first grader, she was. uh, she grew up in the Catholic faith, well, she was only six, but that was her world, was the Catholic faith. And they were very, very strong Catholics. So um, we were talking about baptism. And I was teaching in a Christian school, but we still had people of different faiths and denominations. So I had a Greek Orthodox. I had um, a little girl that was Catholic. I had a girl, a Symbolism of God girl. And I had a non-believing student. And I can't remember all the others, but that was clearly the part of the discussion. So we were talking about baptism. And so little Serafina, my little Catholic girl, she was like, I was baptized as a baby. My little Assembly of God girl was like, um, so that doesn't even mean anything. Like, <laughs> that's not what the scriptures say. And I'm sitting there going, how am I supposed to, in in a sense, pastor this comment? Because I'm about to have parents that are upset with me. Uh, and so we just talked about what the scripture said and, you know, that kind of thing. But that started something in Serafina that day. And she went within weeks. She actually made a sandwich board sign that said, like, turn or burn. And she was walking up and down the street. Her mom was like, um, Mrs. Jarvis. And... Um, then a few months, yeah, it was great. A few months down the road, she hit on, we were going on a missions trip, and her sister, who did not know the Lord and got saved on the trip, by the way, but her older sister was going with us, she hit on the trip. I said, hit on the bus because she wanted to go with us. We couldn't find her. And her comment was, I can be a missionary too. Please let me go. That started from this conversation, you're not baptized, because she started to ask questions. So kids are discipling other kids. And they don't even realize it. Um, I had a little girl we were talking about uh, following Jesus' example. We were talking about baptism. Oh, again, baptism. I didn't even realize my stories were connected. (laughs) Two different stories. And this really started burning in her that she needed. She was um, was probably eight, maybe nine. um, Really started burning in her that she needed to follow Jesus' example. And so she started asking questions. And she was really pressuring me as administrator to baptize her. And I was like, well, we got to talk to your parents. We got to see how this goes. So her parents were fully supportive. She kind of started a movement in the school. So numbers of children then were wanting to get baptized and ask me questions. And I'm like, hey, I got to figure out how to do this. So we actually, I did a really fun teaching with all of the kids. Um, we got parent permission and all of that, but we baptized 25 kids that day in our school. And it, something I'll never forget it was such an honor but it was because of that little girl it was nothing I did but she was so sensitive to what she was learning from Jesus. So in my mind, right, if you take a tool like this, and I'm sure there are others, but I'm just particularly partial to this one. You yeah. um,
1: <laughs> like Sorry, but... such a mom. <laughs> so um,
3: if, if we could put a tool like this in the hands of children. So we're just, you know, we're just in this beginning of stages of this, but I really can envision, I can really see that at the end result of this, that we're going to have kids That are gonna be able to walk kids through this. Will we need some like older, mature teenagers and adults? Quite possibly, yes. Um, They'll, you know, need to be some navigating of that. But I do see that as a possibility. And those children's uh, pastors that never seem to have enough staff, they're gonna have so many they don't know what to do with. But they can get into their schools like we can't, right? They can relate to the kids in their neighborhood like we can't. So if we can um, show them how they can grow in, the, in knowing God's character, his ways, and mission, they're going to impact the world in so
1: many great ways. So, like, if you look at this up here, this, 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 is, this is the kid's title, Becoming God's Friend, in parentheses, is the one from the adult edition. So if you're going through it with your child, you know, like, God's bridge to us is the cross, sin, and repentance in the adults, or uh, God's great gift to us, the grace of God. So it's, it's something that, you know, lets the kids kind of relate to where they are. In this series, so you know there's five pieces to it, so you have the animated series, which I'll give you a clip of here in a minute. You have the manual, which Laurie was just showing you. You have take-home cards, which for every one of the, um, thank you, Vanna, Uh, (laughs) for for every one of the take-home, or every one of the lessons, there's the image of AD&J's adventure that is on the front, so it reminds them, and on the back, it asks the two questions, what did God revealed to you this week and how you can obey it in your life. So whether they draw it or they write it, it's something that like, for example, could sit on their bedside stand and that week mom and dad can help them focus on that one thing. Okay. Um, There's a parent prompt. I'm going to show you one of these. It's on our app. And then there's a facilitator's guide that Laurie and her team put together that, that leaves pretty much no stone unturned. It really helps you understand the pieces of it. So let me see if I can...
2: You have a question. Do you want to Yeah, no, questions? go ahead. Uh, so I saw the 12 chapters, and I know you said the the, yep. the, the, the one for adults that's like for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so is each chapter meant to be a month, essentially, yes. with your kids? Yes. Okay, and it's broken in down into weeks? Yes. Okay. So
1: there's there's each chapter is four weeks. Okay. Yep. So, and again, the idea is sometimes in discipleship, I think we go through things too quick. We don't marinate in it enough to make it a part of your life. So. So you have that topic for a month just to kind of marinate on it.
3: We really encourage the kids to journal, to write down what the Lord is speaking to them. So some of the young ones, maybe it's a little bit harder for them to write, so we encourage them to draw a picture. Um, And then we encourage them to continue to go back and look at that. And as facilitators, we're actually asking in the group, so how did that how did that work? God asked you to do this. What did you do with that? So we're really encouraging them with that. The facilitator's guide has a lot of science-based activity that you can do at the same time while you're talking with the kids.
1: So let's put this on and see if you can watch this. So this is from uh, chapter eleven on spiritual gifts, trying to help kids understand spiritual gifts. So I'll let Mel help me with the volume.
2: You know, Let down the rowboats. I'm going to check out the new land. Captains don't lower the rowboats. You do it. Arr, I am the captain. mute
1: me. Can you hear You're that at all? The
2: captain, I'm the captain. I'm the one who's on a plane time ship in the first place. I'm not surrendering my ship to the likes of you. I'm gone. I'm going to make you walk the plane. So there! Who's the captain now? I am! No, I am! What is going on? I could hear you from the kitchen. Well, it looks to me like we might have too many captains on this boat. It's called a ship, Mom! Of course. Sorry. Come here, you two. You two always seem to fight over who's in charge when you try to play together. He won't even listen to me, Mom! She's so bossy! Do you know why you two fight so much? Because he's so annoying? Because she wants to do everything her way? I think it's because you share some of the same spiritual gifts. You're both leaders. You were both born to take charge and lead others. It's a gift from God. Is that why I always get picked to lead everything in my class at school? Probably. Is that why I don't like to be told what to do? (laughs) Well, I think it's part of the reason. So what can we do? I don't like to fight with Jay. I love him. I don't like fighting with AD either. I think it helps when you know the spiritual gift in someone. Now AD knows that God designed Jay to be a leader. And Jay knows Aidy's been designed by God to lead as well. Now all you have to do is give one another a chance to lead. How do we do that? Well, you can begin by asking for one another's opinion before making decisions. You can also choose to let the other person lead sometimes, without trying to take over. That's a hard one. It's a lot easier than fighting all the time and hurting one another, and it also helps you learn to be a good follower. Amy, maybe we can lower the rowboat together. Sure, we can take turns leading. That's a great idea. Mom? Yes, Jay? Thanks for helping us with your special gift. Yes. Thanks for using your teaching gift to help us to work together. I think God knew we would need a teacher in our family. I think you might be right, Adie Good job, Captain Mom. <laughs> are. And now I'm going to make both of you walk the plank.
1: <laughs> so they're just, it's like two and a half, three minutes, but kids are identifying with that. They see the humor in it. They relate to it. So that, that's that is something they watch first. And then you go into the content in here in chapter 11 and you start fleshing it out. Right, So it gets their attention. Then this is our parent prompt. So this is on our uh, Lion share app. So when we were consulting with uh, children's pastors, here's one of the things we were told. Do you know how much stuff we send home with parents? Mm-hmm. And do you know what percentage of that goes in the trash can? Mm-hmm. So they said, don't waste your time with that. They said, what you need to be able to do is create something simple they can take home and then create something simple that the parents who aren't sitting in Sunday school can watch to understand what their child learned and then help them know how to apply it. So this is a 75 second parent prompt, we call it, all right? And this one goes goes with that lesson. I'm sorry about the volume. See, there's the picture of what just happened. Disciples
2: need to learn when to lead and when to follow. In this week's adventure, AD and Jay are playing pirates in the treehouse until they get in an argument about who is the captain. Arr. Their mom arrives and asks what they're yelling about, and AD and Jay both blame the other for being bossy and annoying and not listening. They each want to be in charge. Their mom explains that they are both created to be leaders, That's why they are often chosen to lead at school, but it's also why they might find it hard to follow others sometimes. They need to learn to give each other the opportunity to lead. That's also how they can learn to be a good follower. The kids say that God knew they needed a teacher in their family, and they are glad he gave that gift to mom.
1: Take some time this week to talk about leading and following. Each of you take a turn naming someone who you follow, like a teacher, a parent, or your boss, and someone who you lead, a peer, a child, or a sibling. Maybe even add a little follow the leader game in just for fun. And it gives the scripture memory verse. So it's 75 seconds for parents to know what their child learned and how to help them apply it. So it's simple very, very simple.
2: And there's an animation for each week?
1: Yes. So there's an animation for each week. And some of them are just hilarious. They're just hilarious because, you know, there's times, but and some of them are just rich. Like Jay is asked constantly by the mom. You never see the adults' faces, just like mom was kind of cut off there. So the adults are kind of cut off. So it's AD and Jay and their friends. And Jay is constantly hitting the baseball into Mr. Snodgrass's yard. And finally, one day, he breaks the window. And one day when we're recording this, Lauren, who's our producer, says, Dave, there's nobody else here. Can you be Mr. Snodgrass? <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm Mr. Snodgrass. You know, and I'm, so I'm having to make something up on the fly. And so Mr. Snodgrass is going to talk uh, to Jay after he breaks the window. And he's hiding in the bushes. And so eighty steps up and says, what, what's the matter, Mr. Snodgrass? Well, you have brother of yours. And he just says, I'm going to make sure he comes over and cleans this up. And he's going to pay for it. And eighty says... Can I do that instead for him? Well, AD, you didn't do it. I know, but I want to do it. And she got, does it all. And she comes back and Jay is like, what were you doing? And you didn't do any of that. And she said, Jay, I wanted to show you what the grace of God is. Somebody doing something on your behalf that you didn't earn. Like all of a sudden, right? And all of a sudden kids, they can understand that. Okay, so, so the, we had a lady by the name of Carla I So um, Latoya, who's on this video with me, it's her mother-in-law. Uh, Carla, and Carla has traveled to about 40 nations around the world working with kids. So I asked her to be our script writer because I knew she would understand how to communicate with kids of different backgrounds, nations, all that. And so every story is just, it's just powerful. And the idea is just to get the kids to engage first with the story of AD&J, and then you can get into the content where you can begin to talk to them about some things. And in the facilitator's guide, there's a practical, what is the language you use for it, a lesson, a, um, a visual, a, what's the term? Oh, you the object is?
2: lesson. Yeah, object lesson. Uh, yeah.
1: So there's an object lesson for every lesson that you can do to kind of help bring it home. So we've made it really simple for families, simple if you want to use it in, in church. So questions that you might have on this? What do you mean by object lesson? So...
3: There's science, there, we, we we're, I'm really into Science. Kids get a kick out of science, right? So there's science-based activities most of the time. I mean, like, I'm going to give you one that we did, but it's not really science-based. But you could make it science-based. So when we talk about how big God is in our life, so I've got my kids in a circle. I've got Legos in the middle. And I've got, guys, we're going to build a tower so big, and let's see if we can build it big enough that we think God can be contained in it. Because he can't, right? That's part of the scripture. So we're doing activities like that. We do elephant toothpaste, to talk about having to use, you know what elephant toothpaste is? Oh, yeah. It's so much fun, right? Mm-hmm. So they have no idea what's gonna come or what's coming unless they've watched YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about the right ingredients, and so we use the wrong ingredients, nothing happens, we use the right ingredients and it explodes all over the place but I've got them contained within a circle. And as we're doing that activity, because kids nowadays are, they're all seem to be multitaskers. They need to be doing more than one thing at a time. My grandson does his homework, is on his video game and is eating at the same time. You know, So I kind of brought that into this. So there's multiple things going on at the same time. And we did the facilitators guide in a way that if you're a seasoned teacher, you literally can look at it and you'll get it like this. And you won't even look at it again. But if you're kind of new at it, it there's line-by-line line verbiage. Here's what you say. Here's what you do. Here's what you need. There's a scope and sequence at the end of the facilitator's guide that lays out the whole year for you. So you can see what our object is, what the lesson is, what you need for that lesson, what our goal is, kind of that thing.
1: So and just so you guys know, with both the adult edition and the children's edition, it's like chapters 1 to 6 deal with your relationship with God, 7 to 12, with the world around you, and you can jump around. Like when Cheryl, my wife, took some 20-somethings through Discipleship Journey, they said, what, what chapter do you want to start with? They got through all 12, but they did it in an order based on what was going on in their lives. So it's, there's a flexibility to it like that if you wanted to use it that way as well. It's very inexpensive, just so you know. So it's like, um, and Darren might need to help me with this, but I believe it, when you get, the, you get a manual and you get the cards, for, I think it's twenty nine. What is it? Is it $29.99? Yep. And with that, the facilitator's guide, the parent prompts come with it. So you get all of that. Um, and then uh the you get on Vimeo to use the um videos, and there's a there's a minimal charge there. And a lot of it's depending on the size of your church. If it's just you and your family, it's like $2.99 a month, and you have access to all of them anytime you want to show them. So when you play it out, it's pretty inexpensive. And um so anything else you want to add on ADJ Kids?
3: No. I would love to talk to you about it, and yeah. we'd be excited if you used it. And um,
1: She's a good coach. Yeah. She'll help you. So let me add one thing to you in case there's any of you that um, have an interest. So one of the things we do with LionShare is we're doing something called the Leadership Games, and this is something that um, will be launched this summer, and I've been taking – people in their 40s and 70s through discipleship journey for the last year. I've had 29 people from business, government, law, nation, security, police, that kind of thing, uh, government leaders, um, arts, entertainment, and media, health, medicine, wholeness, which have been doctors, counselors, and then the church, uh, youth pastors, senior pastors, uh, children's pastor, Laurie, uh, Laurie is our children's pastor in it, and what we, what we do is we've equipped them for a year as 40s to 70s to disciple 20s and 30s. And that's what this event is. It's, it's to allow 40s and 70s to meet, spend time with 20s and 30s, and walk away in disciple-making relationships spiritually and vocationally. So that at this event this summer, what will happen is in the mornings we'll focus for five days, four nights on discipleship. In the afternoons, we've made up an imaginary city that's called Hebron Hills, 375,000 people with all kinds of problems. And what in the afternoon they'll do, the older, wiser business people, we'll sit with the 20s and 30s who are business people, and they'll say, leave all politics at the door. Jesus, his kingdom, his ways. How do we go about fixing real life problems? And starting to train a generation to ask this question, what is the ways of God on this? And so they're doing that within their areas. And then at night... After a good afternoon break, we're going to deal with the fluffy issues of race, politics, and gender identity. But we're going to talk about how do you walk this through, not just the rights and wrongs from Scripture, but also like as a godly person, how do you have a relationship in that? How do you walk that well? Okay. So I want to let you know this for two reasons. Number one, we're beginning to equip people for our 24 games by taking 40s to 70s through discipleship journey. We have 32 people right now in those five vocations plus family, like those that are saying, I would like to raise up godly wives and moms or dads and husbands or, or and education. So we're beginning to equip them for 24, and each year we'll be adding like science and technology. We'll be adding different things. So I'm wanting to tell you this in case you're somebody that says, I would like to learn how to be effective in discipling someone in their 20s and 30s spiritually and vocationally. Talk to Laura back there as you go out, or if you know a 20 or 30 something, or if you're a 20 and 30 something here and you go, I'm in one of those vocations, I'd like to come to this. Can I just tell you, it is going to be awesome. The worship team that we have set up for this, amazing. Uh, The leaders, the 40s to 70s, humble, very successful, godly leaders. All right. Lipscomb University it's, it's one of our beautiful little campuses we have there in the Nashville area. And so you come and stay on campus for five days, four nights, and we'll have a hoot and we'll go deep with God. And at the very end, every 20s and 30s will be connected to a 40s to 70s for a year that they'll pour into you. So let's just say if. You're in business. There might be three others. So there's three or four of you with, a, with one of these. And you'll meet every week going through discipleship journey, growing spiritually. And then you have a go-to answer person when you get stuck in your vocation. Like, what do I do about this moral issue? Here's the ways of God on it. All right? So if you know of, of 20s and 30s that could use this, also let Laura know that. Because right now we only got room for 80 to 90. But we'd love to be able to fill that. All right? So that's called the leadership games. And, you, you know, you can take a QR code there if you want to to get more information on it. Okay? Hey, we're going to let you guys go. We have uh, our next session after the next session, right, is going to be, it's kind of a unique one. Um, it's on relinquishing rights. How, as a disciple maker, do you help people understand you, if you're hanging on to your rights, you're really not free to follow Jesus? Yeah. How do you relinquish them based on Jesus in Philippians 2? laying down his rights, coming from heaven to earth. Yeah. And it's a teaching that's not always given in discipleship circles, but it's huge. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that and demonstrate some of it as well. All right. Thanks, you guys, for coming. We'll hang around if you
0: want to visit. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today, everybody. Next up, we've got one more track session from Lion Share. They're going to be talking about our rights, building lives that relinquish rights. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that one. If you haven't already, please click the subscribe button to this channel. And I would really appreciate it if you would drop us a review, leave us a comment, do something so we know you're out there listening to us. All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you all on the next episode.